This is Beards for Radio, a Sasha and Joe podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Beards for Radio. As always, I am Joe. And I'm Sasha. And we got a lot to get to. We got the first week of March Madness in the bag. And um, once we once we talk about those games, we'll get into the People versus Tom Izzo, the Aaron Henry story, and also uh, another update on The Walking Dead. And then, um, you know, probably by our next episode, we'll get to talking about Captain Marvel and us. But, yeah, Sasha, there are 16 teams left. Duke, Virginia Tech, Michigan State, LSU, Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, Michigan, uh, Virginia, Oregon, Purdue, Tennessee, North Carolina, Auburn, Houston, and Kentucky. So, um, hey, we got three teams from the Big Ten, two of which reside from the state of Michigan. Yeah, man, that's like – I think we, like, covered this – we were talking about this last week, how I'm just glad that there's a rivalry, you know what I'm saying, especially basketball rivalry, and there's, you know, the football – it's all come, you know, full circle, and, you know, both of our, you know, two main sports in America, in my opinion, basketball and football are the best, in my opinion. People will probably say baseball, whatever, gotcha. But I'm so glad that we have, you know, a, a, a rivalry brewing like we do. It's just – you know, to me, it's 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 long needed. It's 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 been a long time. You know what I'm saying? Especially especially Michigan basketball. You know, with all the sanctions that happened, and it's taken a long time to rebuild and get to where they're at. Um, I'm just glad that there's a rivalry in our in our in our state, especially with my favorite basketball team. But to be in a Sweet 16, two two teams that represent a state in the Sweet 16, I think that's I think that's hands down probably. It's marvelous. It's it's great for our our our, our uh, state. It's great for our programs. What mm-hmm. I want to know is why isn't there more hoopla about it? I, I hear nobody nobody really getting into the meat of this and how how great it is that we have two teams in the top sixteen teams in the nation. That's huge, man. And no one wants to sit there and talk about it. But when football comes around, we want to sit there and talk about MSU and Michigan, which last year, if you ask me, they were right at a mediocre. You know what I'm saying? We have two basketball teams that are elite programs in this country, and we don't talk about them as much, dude. That's and it's right. just, yeah. and it's really a shame, to be honest with you, because you have two really, really, really good coaches, two really passionate coaches who care about their kids. And, you know, th- that's that's for a later segment we're talking about, Izzo versus the people. You know what I'm saying? These, these two coaches are passionate about what they do, like uber passionate, man. And we sit there and talk about football all year, e- even offseason, and right now, the biggest thing that we need to be talking about is Michigan and Michigan State basketball, and everybody is absent. And I just – it's just besides me. I don't, I don't understand why. Yeah, it is a shame. And I think, um, you know, Michigan and Michigan State, and really all the teams remaining have a legitimate shot at winning the whole thing. Like, that's, that's very rare because sometimes you see, like, two or three teams sneak in that, you know, are a good story, but they really shouldn't be there. Maybe they'll get to the Final Four. Uh, you really could make a, t- a case for all 16 teams. They belong there. And, you know, to a certain extent, they have a shot to win it all. Um, but yeah, we'll dig a little bit deeper. Um, 
Michigan State, uh, kind of a tight one against Bradley, but they took control at the end, winning at 76-65. Uh, a rare second-round matchup against the Big Ten team, uh, beating Minnesota 70-50. to They will face uh, LSU on Friday night. And then Michigan, a uh, convincing win over Montana, 74-55. And then uh, a real nice defensive showing against Florida in the second round, 64-49. They will go on to take on Texas Tech. And this is interesting because according to ESPN, in terms of points allowed per game, Texas Tech is third in the country and Michigan is second. So I kind of want to hear your thoughts on the Wolverines up to this point and uh, what you expect on their Thursday night game. Yeah, I, I think it's honestly going to be tough for them. You know, you're, you're, this is almost like uh, – this is almost like, you know, I went and saw us this weekend, but we'll talk about it when you see it. But it's almost like this this team's a mirror image team. You know what I'm saying? They're like Ooh, they're like, like the same team going against each other. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, there's a kind of correlation with the whole us thing. But they both play good defense. They both can shoot it. You know what I'm saying? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to come it's gonna come with who's hotter, you know, who's hitting. That's what it's going to come down, down to. I honestly think that. I honestly think that. Texas Tech may be able to inch Michigan out in the perimeter shooting, but it's all going to depend on who's actually on that day and and, and who's going to be that assassin. Michigan, the past two games have been, you know, have handled their teams pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Can they keep uh, this this uh, steam engine rolling? Can they keep this going down the tracks and um and and put the you know beat the brakes off of Texas Tech. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a close game. I think they might even lose it. I think it's going to be. It's going to come down to come down. I think it's going to be a. It's going to be a back alley brawl, bro. So you know, it all it all depends on because I think they both play good defensive. It's all going to depend on is who's hitting, who's hot, who's playing team ball. Because you know, we all know Michigan. They like to play the ISO ball here and there. Me, I think that's an archaic way of looking at things. You know, we're seeing Carmelo Anthony fade out of the NBA because he's the last of the ISO players, you know. So I'm more into team ball. I think they need to pay a team ball in, in the second half because the first half, it seems like they go on this tear, right? And then the second right. the second half starts off and six minutes into it, you start to see them kind of dwindle off and, you know, take their foot off uh, of the neck of their opponent when really they should just be going full force and maybe look to Teske a little bit more down low establish your big man down low, but Teske, even for being seven foot one, he doesn't take the ball up strong. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, I don't, I don't see him being a bully down there sometimes, which sometimes I think is needed. And when they take him out, man, and livers is the big guy, you know, you better hope there's, there's, there's that small ball on the other side as well. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think they, they, they really need to go inside. Uh, Teske needs to establish himself as a big man. You're seven foot one, bro. Throw people around. I know you can you know what I'm saying? Establish that in and out game. And uh, Brazikas, you know, I love the kid, but sometimes he makes those freshman mistakes. You know, he'll do the – he'll do if he doesn't have a shot, he'll do the drive to the lane and he'll do the, the spin move and it'll, and it'll get taken and it'll get oh, – he'll get ripped almost like 50% of the time. So it's like you know what the kid's doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's a hell of a talent. Yeah. I, I feel like he's got a lot of weight – a lot of ways to go but Michigan man this is gonna be a brawl bro this is gonna be this is gonna be a backyard brawl man and it's and and I think it's gonna be close unless one team gets hot it can go either way you know so um right. I, I'm I'm not so confident Michigan's gonna go in and and bl- beat the brakes off of them 
But, you know, at the same time, I don't think Texas Tech's be able to do that. So I think it's going to be a very close game. These are both mirror image teams. So um, it's going to be a fun, te- fun team to watch, of course, a fun game to watch. But, of course, I'm rooting for my guys. Um, and, right. and they need to get hot. They need to stay hot. And they need to keep going. And um, they, don't, they don't need to take those stupid, you know, four shots that they come down in three, four seconds into, the, uh, into a full uh, shot clock. And they're hoisting up a three. It's just like, calm down. It's not needed. Go through your motions. Go through your plays. Play some team ball. Take the t- give uh, uh, pass the extra pass. If you got extra pass. You, you get somebody open. You know, and and that's what they need to do. Unless you know Texas Tech decides to do that, and <laughs> you know we're just looking at a back and forth all game. But I think it's going to be a close game. I hope Michigan ekes it out, but it's going to be a tough one. It's not going to be nothing to uh, scoff at. Yeah, and I think Texas Tech has a player who could be a top 10 or at least a lottery pick in the NBA. And that's Jared Culver. He leads the team in points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game. And sometimes that's harmful because you don't want to depend on one player. But in some cases, it can really elevate a team when they have that clear-cut number one guy that they can all look to. And right. uh, Jared Culver's been playing really well. And, you know, a lot of people thought Buffalo would be not a Cinderella because they are they weren't that lowly seated, but, like, maybe a surprise team that could get to the elite eight or even the final four. Um, and Texas tech beat them by 20. Like, I, I don't even know if it was that close. Like it seemed pretty convincing that Texas tech had won that one all day. So I, I think it's an exciting matchup. Um, you know, they're these two teams, like you said, it's like us, they're, they're so similar in so many ways. And it's, you know, I think the spread is like two points right now. It's, kind of 50-50 or 51-49, what have you. It's um, it's a tough game to predict. It's a late game, uh, 9-39 tip-off after, um, who is it, Gonzaga and Florida State. But, yeah, that's an exciting one. I'll definitely have to stay up to watch it. And I think Michigan, they came out. They looked like they were on a mission the first couple games. I think Matthews is starting to come back healthy. He's kind of looking for his shot. Um, yeah, I thought – I didn't, I didn't watch a whole lot of the Florida game, but what I saw, I think Teske really rebounded the ball really well. And obviously he's so tall that he should, but, you know, sometimes you don't see him rebounded that well. I thought he did a good job of that on Saturday against the Gators. Right, right, right. Now, LSU beat Maryland. You know, that was a pretty good game. I was rooting for Maryland because I want to see more Big Ten teams in it, you know, just to, just to prove this whole nation wrong. But now LSU won it. Now you got MSU, LSU, you know, Head to head, this is going to be a you know a tough game. So, you know, tell me what your expectations are for Michigan State in or LSU. You know, coming out this, I think they play Friday. I believe is that correct? Yeah. Um. So I wasn't really sure who I was rooting for in that Maryland game because you know, on one hand, you know, it, it'll be cool to see the Big Ten, but then on the other hand, it's like playing Maryland in DC, like. You know, that's basically a road game. You don't want to have that in the tournament. But, yeah, LSU, you know, they got some controversy around them with uh, possibly uh, somebody being paid to be there. So they got no coach. Well, they have an interim coach, but their head coach for the season, Will Wade, is not on the sideline currently because of his involvement. Um, What they do is they have size. They got two guys on the down low that they'll throw at you at 6'10 and 6'11". And they got a really good guard, much like Cassius Winston in, uh, I think it's Travon Waters. Uh, let me see. Tremont Waters. Tremont Waters. 
Um, so that's really the matchup you got to look for is Tremont Waters versus Cassius Winston. Uh, Michigan State kind of really controlled the Minnesota game in the second round, almost from the tip. But, you know, at one point, a 20-point lead in the second half had gotten cut down to a nine-point lead. And the shot clock's winding down when Michigan State has the ball, and it looks like it might be another turnover. And Winston sinks uh, a shot with, like, one second left on the shot clock. Next drive down, he forces a turnover, gets another jumper. And then he forces another turnover, gets a three-point jumper. So all of a sudden, what kind of looked like a nail-biter, uh, like a comeback storm from Minnesota, turned into a 7 nothing Cassius Winston run to make it a 16-point game. And all of a sudden, the air is out of the building. Because there were a lot of Minnesota fans out there in Iowa, let me tell you. Um, yeah, so in terms of the, the matchup, they have a few common opponents. Like we mentioned, Maryland. Uh, LSU has played Florida three times. They got a one-and-two record against Florida, who Michigan State played and beat. Um, but Michigan State, they got such a tight playing rotation right now. They really only have – seven or eight guys that are really going to get solid minutes. Now you'll, you'll see Foster Lawyer and Gabe Brown and maybe even Connor George on the court at some points. But really you're going to see like the same six or seven players get the meat of the playing time. And that's, that's dangerous right now because you could get a ticky-tack foul. You could pick up two early fouls. You could, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you could have another injury. So – you know, as it stands, I think Michigan State wins probably by four or five. Um, a lot of people are giving Michigan State a decent chance to win this game. Um, it looked like in the first round against Bradley, they were really playing like they felt there was pressure on them, which isn't how they've been playing all year. Like they, they felt the pressure of, you know, the last three years of not getting to that round. And you could, you could almost see it against Minnesota as well when Minnesota was making a bit of a run, you could see it. Um, but what they have this team, obviously they have Cassius Winston. Cassius Winston is going to carry them uh, as far as he possibly physically can. And yeah, I, I expect Michigan state to win, but I'm very nervous. And uh, yeah, Friday can't come here soon enough. So I think right. the X factor is Xavier Tillman. I think he's the key to, unlocking all the potential that they have defensively. Like he's, he's a sneakishly good athlete. People don't talk about him as an athlete cause he came in and he was so overweight. Well, now he's slimmed down and he said he's been missing dunks cause he's not used to being able to jump so high. You know? <laughs> and uh, as much as I love Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman, since, since he's been getting the bulk of the minutes after Ward's injury, uh, crazy as it sounds, they've become a better team because They've been better defensively. Now, Nick Ward has a lot more offensively that he can bring to the game. And, you know, that's, that's another five fouls potentially. So it's another body, and he can give you probably 10 to 15 minutes right now. Nick Ward can. But, yeah, I think the key is Xavier Tillman. I think, you know, you didn't see a drop-off when Nick Ward went out. In fact, you saw them beat Michigan twice and, you know, have a few more convincing wins in there. So, yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I'm very nervous for this game. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's good to be back in the Sweet 16, you know. Yeah. A lot of people a lot of people don't realize it that but Tom Izzo, it's his 14th Sweet 16 in 22 years. Only Duke and Kentucky can say they've done that. Aside from Michigan State. Right, right. 
and like and like yeah you're like me right now it's like these teams you know it can go either way right now so our programs are very scary but for your program man like like what you said about Nick Ward's spot on you know what I'm saying he can come in he's gonna he's gonna be that body that's gonna stand there it's gonna disrupt shot get get rebounds I think they moved away from you know having the offense run through Nick Ward. You know what I'm saying? They've moved away from that because of his injury. And, you know, like you said, Xavier Tillman has stepped up. But I personally think that the biggest X factor in this squad right now is going to be Matt McQuaid. I think McQuaid shooting good alleviates a little pressure off of um, Cassius Winston. You know what I'm saying? Because when that guy's off, you know, I'm saying, like, who else is going to do the bulk of the scoring? You know what I'm saying? Right. So if if McQuaid's on, it's going to take a lot off of Cassius. And I feel like Cassius can then implement his skills in other aspects of the game. You know what I'm saying? But if McQuaid's off, then I, I feel like Cassius is going to feel that he needs to bestow it on himself to, you know, put up 30 points, you know, put up high 20s. You know what I'm saying? And I, I personally don't know how much that guy has in his tank. You know, only he does. You know what I'm saying? So right. I think McQuaid really needs to step up. And because what do you have? Uh, did he have a lot of points last game? I know the game before that he was on fire. You know what I'm he saying? Had, I don't he think had he had nine against. He had nine against Minnesota. And um, you know what I'm saying? He it, it's, there's, he's, he's going to need to score more, especially against LSU. If 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 Cassius is going to want to, you want Cassius to do more in other aspects of that game. Yeah, and um, another guy who has to be on his game is the other senior, Kenny Goins. Uh, he had a rough two-game stretch against Michigan and Bradley uh, where his shot wasn't falling. So it was good to see it on Saturday night where he hit a couple threes in the first half, uh, had a couple, like, transition buckets, and it was good to see. So, yeah, you can't, you can't afford, if you're Michigan State, to have both Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid missing their shots or lacking confidence. Right. So I don't think either of them are lacking confidence right now. But, you know, we'll see uh, 10 minutes into the game Friday night if neither one of them has scored, uh, just how confident they're feeling. True. <clears throat> but, yeah, another key for Michigan State LSU is rebounding. LSU averages almost 39 rebounds per game. Michigan State averages 41. And I brought up the size. They start uh, a 6'11 and a 6'10 guy down low. So uh, rebounding is going to be key. I thought Michigan State rebounded well against Bradley and Minnesota, but turned the ball over really badly against Minnesota. So that's going to be something they really have to clean up. Right. And for Michigan, I just I want to see them play more team ball. I want to see them make the extra pass. I want to I want to see less ISO play. You know what I'm saying? And and but but then again, that's who they are. That's what's gotten them to the Sweet Sixteen. So like. Is it going to change that much? That I don't know, but I feel like you can always implement more team ball into a game. You know, that's just basketball. So the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, is done. Uh, the big dance is officially one-third of the way through. Seen our share of upsets. We've seen a couple 12s over 5s, 10s over 7s. Uh, a couple near upsets, like we, we mentioned Tennessee and Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um Maryland and LSU um, don't have to bring up Duke and Central Florida. You know? right. I feel like everybody who even likes sports a bit knows that, you know, if you're going to beat Duke, you got to be 10 points better than them. Cause right. if it's, if it's a two, three point difference, Duke's going to make that up really easily with some help from their zebra friends. So yeah, you're going to beat Duke. You got to be 10 points better. That's absolutely right. 
But the biggest story from the first weekend of March Madness seemed to be that Tom Izzo, shame on him, yelled at a player. So that brings us to the people versus Tom Izzo, the Aaron dun. Henry story. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think, dude, this is this. When I watched it, you know, I understood. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I'm from that era where I watched Bobby Knight. I'm from that era where I watched Tom Izzo get red faced. People don't understand. They're like, oh, well, you know, Michigan State was on a 10 point run. Why is he mad at the kid? The kid had four turnovers. Four turnovers in the first half of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Hard to get eight to 10 turnovers. And Izzo, right. being the great coach he is, being the leader that he is, the mentor that he is, saw that and said, you know what? I'm going to nip that in the butt right right now before this gets out of hand. This is the tournament. It's you lose, you go home. There's no you best out of three, best out of four or five. There's nothing. There's not that. You're going home. You lose, you're going home. Henry looked – we've said it before. He Some games he looks frazzled where, you know, he, he doesn't know his shot. He's looking around and, and you know – he looks frazzled. He did that that game. He was having mad turnovers that game. You know what I'm saying? If Izzo didn't step in and check the kid, I, I think I think honestly he was gonna go. He's gonna go on through the game unchecked, right? Yep. Duh. He's gonna get. He's gonna get turnovers. He's gonna make bad shots. But Izzo didn't do nothing wrong. You know no. what I'm saying? Like like as a dad, I tell my kids this all the time, and I posted this. I'm going to get in your face. You know why? Because no one else is going to do it. I'm going to get in your face because I love you. I'm passionate about what you can do. And when I see you do something that I know you can do and you don't do it, I'm going to get on your head. I'm going to get on your back because you know why? No one else is going to do it. And I'll tell you what, dude, the minute, the minute I don't get on your back and I don't waste my breath for you is the minute you should be scared because mm. I've lost my passion for you because I've, 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 I'm this close to giving up on you that close you'd be scared when i don't get in your face when i'm quiet that means i'm not really gonna give a shit about you if i'm quiet i know you're not gonna change i know you're you're the same way but if i see that there's needs to be changing you in the way you play in the way you move in life i'm gonna say something and i'm gonna get in your face and be passionate about it if i'm not passionate about it man how much love do i have uh uh, uh, for you at least that's how i look at things yeah. And, you know, I've got a few points and I'm going to hit on them uh, right now. One, like this is this is just such a non-issue. It's being blown up by media members who really only watch college basketball in late March. Like we've seen, you know, I'll credit a lot of a lot of like co-hosts and shit like that that have been, that have been coming to the, the defense of Izzo, be it on TV or on Twitter. But we've also seen people on TV saying it's bad for the game. It's not the way coaches should act. Uh, we've seen an article from Deadspin saying it's time to quit allowing Tom Izzo to be such an asshole. Um, Izzo has been doing this his whole career. The, all year he's been doing this. But Thursday he did it in front of a national audience who thinks kids are fragile and can't take it. Uh, newsflash, Aaron Henry came from Ben Davis High School in Indianapolis. They have a coach there who's notorious for being just like Izzo, if not worse. 
So you, if you think it, Aaron Henry hasn't heard this for the last two, three, four years, and he's not used to it by now, you're wrong. You think Aaron Henry has an issue with this, you're wrong. Zero players have come out, be it past Michigan State players, past players for any other team. Hell, uh, Keon Brooks, who was being recruited by Izzo for years, but recently committed to Kentucky, tweeted out, if a coach isn't acting this way towards me, that's not a coach I want to play for. So, yeah, it's the PC police who are the ones making a mountain out of a molehill. And you know what? I don't think they're really even that mad about it. I think it's faux outrage. I think they're like, hmm, Tom Izzo just blew up on a kid during the biggest stage of college basketball. How can I make it seem like I'm the wokest woke person that ever awoke from anybody in the media? That's all it is. People trying to prove how woke they are. Second, like, you think Izzo is feeling the pressure right now? Like, you think he's just brushing off losing to Middle Tennessee in 2016, losing to Syracuse in 2018? Like, you think he's just, you know, well, it's a new season, time to forget about that. No, he's feeling the pressure right now. At least he was on Thursday and Saturday. You think if they lost to Bradley in the first round, Aaron Henry's name would have been mentioned once because he didn't play well? No. It would all be on Izzo. To a, to a degree, it should all be on Izzo. But Izzo needed to hold Henry accountable, and he did. Uh, Izzo said, you know, after those turnovers you mentioned, Henry would just come back to the huddle like it was a regular season game. He'd be like, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, over and over. Well, Izzo said, my bads get you beat after a mistake. Eventually, he exploded because just that. My bad will get you beat. There's no excuses in March. And he's a freshman. He has to learn it. And like I said, he has no issue with it. He's been defending Izzo on Twitter and in interviews. And he played, he played bigger, better, and smarter after being chewed out. Not only in the Bradley game, but do you know which player had more minutes on Saturday against Minnesota than any other Michigan State player? Let me guess. Henry. That's right. Aaron Henry at 34 minutes. <laughs> Nine points. Nine rebounds, three assists, and here's the big one. You know, the team had 22 turnovers. Aaron Henry None. contributed one of those. One? Wow. Yeah. And you know what, man? I, I think, Joe, that we're from the tough love era. You know what I'm saying? And me, I just don't feel like anybody's genuine if they're if they're 100% nice to me. It's almost like the Stepford Wives movie where it's like they're smiling in your face 100% of the time. It's like, really, tell me how you feel. Really, you know, don't 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 waste my time with the crust. I don't want the pie crust. I want the filling. Get to right. the filling. Stop messing around with me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, that's how we are. We, that's how we are, Joe. I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. No, you're good. And if you're a freshman playing 34 minutes in March Madness, I feel like you're allowed one turnover, especially if your team's winning by 20. So, you know, there's that. Um, but, hey, Aaron Henry, like we just mentioned it, he's from the tough love too. Like, people don't give him enough credit for that. People think – uh, he's not used to that. Like I said, he's been he's been dealing with that for the better part of his whole basketball playing career. And it showed because he responded. If he wasn't used to that, he wouldn't have responded. And you know what? Izzo didn't bench him. You notice that. Like, he chewed him out. He didn't bench him. In fact, they drew up a play for Henry. So, yeah. Izzo, uh, to move on to my next point, Tom Izzo does this the most to the players he thinks are the best. He's... He dug into Denzel Valentine from day one because he knew the potential that Denzel Valentine had. Uh, he never cut him any any slack. 
Uh, if they were up by 10 at halftime and they interviewed him going into the half, he would cut into Denzel even when Denzel was young. And by Valentine's really? senior year, he was national player of the year. Kalen Lucas won Big Ten player of the year in 2009, led Michigan State to the national title game. His junior year, he wasn't practicing hard. Izzo did not start him the next day in a, in a game, like a big game. Didn't start his best player because he didn't like the way he was practicing. It, it's exactly what you said. If Tom Izzo thought Aaron Henry wasn't going to be any good, he would have just benched him after two mistakes. Instead, he dug into him, and he let him fix his own mistakes on the court. So, and like, go ahead, good. go ahead. I want to know, like, what, like, I would like to hear from Aaron Henry's and, like, I know Denzel Valentine is his dad. His dad's a coach. He probably came out and been like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, I don't care. I don't yeah. care if Rats is will talk to him. But I really yeah, like to hear coach from in high school. Right, you know what I'm saying? Denzel so like, dad. Yeah. Right. So, like, I'm sure that Denzel Valentine had no problem with it. I'm sure his father had no problem with it. But I really want to hear from, you know, Henry's uh, Henry's uh, parents. Because if I was Aaron Henry's parents and all this shit was going down, I'd get on Twitter and be like, don't worry about my kid. Worry about your fucking kids. Exactly. Okay? Because I have a good kid. You know what I'm saying? He's gone through a lot. I have no problem. You ask me right now, I'd have no problem handing my son over to Izzo. If my son was 18 years old, you know what I'm saying? And, like, like I'm watching this now, right? And my son's committed to play Michigan State next year. I'd still have no problem handing my son over. I'd really want to hear from the parents on this. You know what I'm saying? And say, hey, yeah. listen, that's my kid. Talk, worry about your kid. Worry about your uh, SJW shit over here. This is my kid. I'll speak for my kid, and my kid will speak for me. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. I got no problem with. I got no problem with this. My kid has no problem with this. Shut up. It's no news. Move on. You know, I I would really like to hear from the parents on that. Like them coming back up, uh, uh their son back up Islam and say, "Shut the hell up. These are this is my kid, not your kid. You're outraged. Have a kid and be outraged with your kid, and they can grow up to uh stay in the fetal position in the corner and safe room the rest of their fucking life." Yeah, that's how I that's how I look at it. That's a, that's an excellent point, and um. You know, he, Michigan State can't afford for Aaron Henry to be sloppy. It's rough because he is a freshman. He's really only been starting half the year. But he's like Xavier Tillman. He's a key. He's a big reason why Michigan State is where they are. He is a big key to getting Michigan State where they need to be. There is basically no depth at Aaron Henry's position. You know why? You know who else played that position? Josh Arns. Langford. Josh Langford and Kyle Ahrens. Right, so and that's and by default he's he by default he needs to step up. Exactly. There's no there's no there's no learning curve for him right now. It, it just he he's thrown to the wolves. He's thrown to the fire, and this is trial by it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I agree with you, Joe. One hundred ten percent. Yeah, when the season tipped off, Aaron Henry was Kyle Ahrens's backup. Kyle Ahrens was Josh Langford's backup. Now mm-hmm. at that position, there's just Aaron Henry, a freshman, Gabe Brown, another freshman, and Connor George a walk-on at the three position, you know, maybe you could, if, if Langford was healthy or someone else was healthy, maybe you could have McQuaid slide down to the three and have, you know, two point guards on the court, but you just can't afford that right now. Henry is the only one out of those three I mentioned uh, between Gabe Brown and Connor George. He's the only one of those three with extensive game experience. So he needs to be playing his best right now. It's he's had a, a very nice freshman season, uh, I'm very happy that he's at Michigan State. I think he's got a great future. And it says a lot about the kid that he responded 
excuse me. Yep. It says a lot about him that he responded exactly the way you should. And um, yeah, to get into other players, like, you know, it, probably, it didn't really help Izzo out at all that Cassius Winston and Matt McQuaid were both kind of holding him back. Um, like that, that did kind of make it look a little worse, you know, but I think it shows a good relationship, uh, between the team captains and Tom Izzo. Uh, I think it shows a lot of uniqueness that Cassius Winston said he thought he could get the point across to Aaron Henry better than Tom Izzo could. I'm sure a lot of players have felt that over the years, but none of them have really come between a raging Tom Izzo and, uh, the player that was taking, the, the blunt end of his rage, if you will. So right. I, I think it, I think it really displays mutual respect between Winston and Izzo. And I struggle to find other players that have stepped up like that to the, the main guy himself. So, you know, if anything, I, I think Aaron Henry learned from it. I think it showed a lot of leadership from Cassius Winston. And you know what? Tom Izzo's not going to change. I mean, he's, he's going to – he's changed a little bit in his ways. But, you know, he was asked if, if he was going to apologize. He said, what the hell do I need to apologize for? You know, in, in their press conference on Friday, someone brought up the halftime deficit and how Bradley, a smaller team, was out rebounding them. And, you know, they posed the question to Izzo, like there was probably some challenging going on at halftime. And Izzo, sa- Izzo says, no, I hugged them and told them how special they were and, you know. So. <laughs> oh man, and you and you know that's that's sarcasm at, at its finest, right there. Because you know what, uh, Is Isla will hug those kids and tells them he loves them, and then he'll grab them by the friggin' scruff of their neck and tells them he loves them with fire and rage in his eyes while he's spitting in their face. Because you know you've got that coach, I got your face, and he say it, don't spray, it, but you can't say say it, don't spray it because he's gonna spray it even harder. <laughs> he's you know, spray what I'm it anyways. Right. So it's so. I love that because we all know, and if people don't know, watching is over the years, that guy is going to give his kids a bear hug. I mean, like like when Arns went down, dude, that man was in tears. He was. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't when because, had, it wasn't because they lost a, a big-time contributor off the bench. He was heartbroken for him. Right, exactly. And, then, and when Henry does something wrong, he's pissed off. But I guarantee you, man, he's doing it. Both these places come straight from love, dude. And – and as as a as a gen as a you know, society, as these new generations come up, uh, I hope these kids develop a leather and a thicker skin, man, because life's going to hit them so hard, so hard they're not going to know what to do. You know what I'm yep. saying? So I think I think there's uh, people like Tom Izzo prepare these kids for real life, real life situations because life isn't life isn't peaches and cream all the time and it's not honky dory all the time sometimes you're gonna get a dude that's gonna get to your face and what are you gonna do what are you gonna do how are you gonna handle it you know i remember hearing about travis trice and brandon dawson they were two aau teammates uh both pretty well recruited regarded out of high school um you know they both committed to play to michigan state at the same time but after their freshman year they both kind of talked to each other about wanting to transfer you know, like they they couldn't like take it, but they stuck it out, and they ended up leading Michigan State to a Final Four, and they did it with toughness. They did it like like you know in the classic, you know, Tom Izzo Michigan State basketball way. So I feel like the kids that don't want to be there, they'll transfer. 
You know, we've seen it before. We've seen it from kids like Garrick Sherman, who was like a four-star center coming out of high school, played two years at Michigan State, couldn't take it, transferred. We'll see. We'll probably see it again at some point. Right. But, you know, the ones that are on the team right now, they want to be there and they're going to stick it out with him. Remember uh, last year when Michigan State played at Rutgers, Izzo was not happy with Nick Ward's effort. Nick Ward started every game that year. He benched him. Nick Ward played maybe a minute in the second half in a tight game. Right. Uh, Nick Ward didn't pout about it. Nick Ward was over it by the time the plane landed in East Lansing. And Nick Ward had a great sophomore season, and he's, you know, before his injury, he was having a good, a very good junior season. So, yeah. Most definitely. So I, th- I think we're both in agreement on this one, but. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Izzo, Izzo's going to be Izzo because he's a great human being. Just because somebody goes off and gets somebody in somebody's face and pokes him in the chest or grabs him out of the shoulder does not necessarily mean that they hate him or they want to cause bodily harm to them. You know what I'm saying? Especially in the case of a coach, a father-type figure, man, just let it go. You know what I'm saying? And just take it as it is. You know, I, I don't I don't see nothing wrong with it. I think people need to calm down and say, oh, Izzo needs to be ousted as a Michigan State coach. You know what I'm saying? It's just – it's not like that. He didn't cross – some big line to me and as far as uh, Michigan State Michigan in the tournament I hope they go far I hope they go to the very end I hope we uh, face each other again and the you know the gods can sort it out but I think they both have some uh, some tough games coming up this Thursday and Friday I think so that's where the toughness is going to be needed that's where the yes. tough love's going to come in and you know Mike and I were talking about it Beeline you know he's not the screamer type but he has his own way of communicating it you know like some players, some coaches will bench a player after the mistakes to make them learn from it. Some, some coaches, uh, maybe out of necessity, will leave the players out on the court to kind of make up for it. But, right. Yeah. It's not I've – heard, I've heard, like, the people on Detroit radio kind of making the contrast, like, oh, but look how Beeline handles it. He, like, hugs them. It's like – like, I don't know. That's kind of like a caricature to me. Like, you think Beeline isn't, like, actually trying to teach them? Like, maybe that's – that's just his way of teaching them. It's different from Tom Izzo, uh, but you know, results speak for themselves. I say they both have have done pretty well in their right. Ways. Absolutely. So, so tournament talk, Izzo talk. Let's talk some crazy talking heads stuff, Joe. Walking Dead, bro. Walking Dead, man. Please tell me what you took out of this episode because. It wasn't until, like you said, the last three minutes when I was just like, oh, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's all, like, really came out of me and my wife's mouth was, like, yeah. different different tones of oh, my God. So, go on, Joe. Go on. Go with it. Well, first of all, obviously, spoiler alert, uh, we are all caught up on The Walking Dead. So, if you're not all caught up on Season 9, Episode whatever, I think 12 or 13 of The Walking Dead, um, Thanks for listening to this point, but see ya. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was kind of out of character because whenever we see, like, big-time characters die, we see it happen. We get to, like, process it. We know what's about to come. You know what I'm saying? Right. We didn't didn't see this coming at all. And I texted you a couple weeks ago that the kid Henry needs to be dead because he's just – he's fucked up too many times to not pay the price for it. Um. (laughs) <laughs> and there he is. We didn't get to see it this week. We didn't get to see 
the characters die, and, you know. So the big reveal was, um, you know, so uh, Alpha was talking to Daryl, and I thought they were kind of letting um, the good guys off easily. They're like, just don't come into our land. We don't even want uh, Lydia back. Like, you can keep my daughter. I don't think you guys will take care of her, but I hope I'm wrong. And then, um, you know, you thinking like, wow, like they're just going to get off like that. That's crazy. And then like you see in the distance, these poles and you see a couple characters. I couldn't even tell you the names like uh, old lady with the bandana and a right. couple like, you know, red hair, chick, glasses, the, chick, right. The high, the three highway men who were protecting the highways. Yeah. That, that kind of bumped me out. Cause those looked like really good budding characters. Right. Um, but what shocked me was getting to Edith because Edith played a prominent role since since uh, like season five when she came on. Right. Tara, I couldn't oh. believe they killed off Tara and didn't even let us see it. I know. Like that kind of that really bummed me out, dude. Because Tara, um, is like if you're talking about character development in a TV show in the late stages of a TV show. I feel like Tara was a prime example of what you want to see in character development. Yeah, true. Also, you know, you're going. Also, like, what the hell is Hilltop going to do? Because Maggie's gone. We don't know where she is. Uh, Jesus or uh, like Kevin, whatever his real name was, uh, got stabbed, and now Tara's gone. What's what's Hilltop going to do? Yeah, dude, it's true. Like, what is Hilltop going to do? And then finally, one of the last heads was Henry. You know what I'm saying? Henry. So so, so now you got poor Carol, who's already lost kids. And had to kill yeah. a kid. Had to kill a kid, you know, you know, uh, of Mice and Men, Lenny style, the, the kid. Like, look at her, the flowers, you know. Like, she's gone through so much death with young children, her children, that do I don't know how I don't know how someone like that would be able to recover from that. But I'll tell you what, man, it's gonna need to be all out war. I mean, it, right. it has to be. There, there's no way you can kill seven people and just be like, okay, well, you know, just stay off their land. Nah, fuck that, dude. It's all out war now. And and the thing that gets me is they're gonna have to just start going into you know these herds. They they gonna start. They need to start doing what these people are doing, like how Daryl infiltrated to get Henry out, put masks on, start being them, yeah. start walking amongst the whispers and stabbing them, stabbing them in the back and ripping off their mask and like walking away slowly. They're going to have to start doing some kind of ninja infiltration because the whispers are ninjas in a, in a sense. You know what I'm saying? They, they walked into the fair and took seven people without anybody noticing. That's like yeah. that. That to me is like Ted Bundy shit at Washington University, where he kidnapped two girls in broad daylight amongst ten thousand people. How do not, how do people not see that? How do they not see that? I understand like the pipe blew, and a few people went to go see what the pipe was. But the only one I really saw leave was Henry. You know, everyone else yeah. I really didn't see them like walk that way. The the old lady with the bandana was was holding the baby, walking with her husband. I don't you know what happened after that. How do they all get trapped or kidnapped and get thrown into this barn? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, I, yeah, I would, I would uh, like to see that. And uh, I feel like the last person you really want to do this to is Carol. We've seen Carol uh, burn people alive because she didn't want the illness they had to spread throughout her community. And then, um, you know, Rick exiled her from the community. She still saves their asses from... Um, 
Terminus, when they're all about to get eaten by the cannibals. Right. We've seen her do it in a lot of different ways, and I feel like she had the the trust going with people. She grew her hair out again, and, she, you know, we had that backstory as to why, you know, she used to have her hair short versus why it's long again. And um feel like they poked the sleeping bear, and, you know, this is what I want to happen. Like, you know, Carol will resort to any means necessary to defend her people. Um, what I want to happen is Carol goes to Negan to help them fight the Whisperers. Because uh, that was like that was yeah. like some real Negan and Savior shit. How they kind of trapped them, had them all surrounded. It's just that they let them go, and instead of killing two people, they killed nine of their people. Right. And 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 they didn't just kill them; they cut their heads off and let them be like. <laughs> Right, right. Walk, they walkers on a stick, you know. They didn't deactivate the brain. They, that's like that's in that world. That's like the most ultimate form of humiliation. It's like I'm not even gonna let you rest while you're dead. You're gonna be a symbol of, you know, everything that's wrong with this current world, which right. is the Walking Dead. So. <laughs> It's or it, you know it was, the sticking dead, whatever it is. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, dude, that was a very good ending. It kind of brought, and you know what sucks too. It's we got one episode left before the hiatus, right? Yeah. You why know, do you, why do they always do this? That <laughs> that scene right there brought me back. It brought me back because I know some shit's going down. You know what I'm saying? And then we get to watch one episode and wait till uh, October again. Oh, I, I can almost guarantee. I can almost guarantee. Like, if if I if what I want to happen happens, it's going to end with Carol like coming to Negan in the prison, and then you know the theme song rises and boom, end of season. But, yeah, I, go on. Am I am I like wrong for wanting that? For wanting like Negan to um you know kind of come out of his cage and like just be his badass self but like for the right reasons you know cuz i loved negan dude no i'm with you dude i'm with you i hope ne- i hope i hope they i hope maggie comes back in the fray at the end of this uh, uh season I-, I i hope she hands uh lucille off to negan you know and bygones be bygones because you know what even though he killed glenn and he killed well his people a lot of his people got killed and to be honest with you it's not like Rick and the crew didn't really bring it upon themselves. They went and ice picked Negan's whole crew while they were sleeping. That's right. You know what We've I'm had saying? this discussion before. Yeah. Right. So it's not like so it's not like it was kind of brought against them. It's, it's not like you. It's not like oh he killed uh, uh, Glenn and Abraham for no reason. No, you guys slaughtered their people in their sleep. So excuse him for being uh, upset about it as well. You know what I'm saying? So right. yeah, I hope, I hope just his way was a bit more cruel. Yes. It's like, would you rather go in your sleep? Would you rather get bashed to death with a barbed wire bat? Right, right in front of the people that you love. <laughs> right. I, I yeah. get it. I get it. It, w- it was the total message to them. Like, you fuck with us, now we're going to fuck with you. I get it. Right, right, right. So, right. like, I I would like to see Megan come back, put bygones be bygones, give, give Lucille back to him, and let them mastermind together to figure out how to get this. But how I think is uh, what's going to end with this is we're going to see I think at the end of the show, we're going to see a good one or two minutes of what happened to Rick. I think it's going to 
I think it's still going to keep us interested in what happened to Rick because Michonne found his gun last season. I mean, last episode she found his gun. You know what I'm saying? So, so Rick's still there with us. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's still being mentioned. You know, you yeah. know, we, you know, we want Michonne's like, well, we still want to do what what Rick and uh, Carl wanted us to do is is to you know bring these communities together and you kind of like brought Michonne back to where she needed to be with, you know, putting the communities together. But I think we're honestly going to see what happens to Rick or catch a glimpse of what happens to Rick, because I've already been reading articles that the walking dead movie with Rick in it is coming in 2019, which is this year. And we got eight more, right. And we got eight more (laughs) months, you know, saying so, well, nine more months. So if, if that happens in October, you know, are we going to see the movies in between the hiatuses or are we going to see them more into the end of the year Christmas seasons? We're going to see this movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I've, I have a feeling they're going to hint to it next Sunday. You remember like the episode where Rick was carried away in the helicopter? You know what I thought was really, um, I think it was like an interesting point made by the directors of the episode. The music that was played while he was being carried away in um, What's-Her-Face's helicopter. Jadis. Jadis, thank you. In Jadis' friend's helicopter. It was the same music that was played when he was trapped under the tank at the end of the very first episode uh, when we first heard the voice of Glenn. Uh, It was like, welcome to my world or something like that. I thought that was really interesting, kind of like a new beginning type of thing. Um, but yeah, what's, what's like the worst thing they could do to end the season? What do you think? The worst thing they can do to end the season is if they hit all four places at once. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Say, say you got Hilltop, Kingdom, Oceanside, and Alexandria. You know, they all come to meet to go up, to, uh, to go fight, whatever. And the whispers attack their places when they're not there, when, uh, you know, defenses are lowest because, you know, everyone's met up to go to a fight. That right. I wouldn't like to see. But, like, I don't know how this is honestly going to end because right now the Whispers do have the upper hand. You know what I'm saying? They have, like, a, a thousand walkers to their disposal where they can just lead to a certain area and let them in and let them do the, let them do the destruction and then, you know, surround afterwards. You know, we that's saw that's right. what they did to the guys, and they, they sent the walkers after them. They the four people, Mushon, Daryl, they, they killed the, the, the all the walkers. The walkers are around them, and then the whispers come in and surround the walkers. The dead walkers around them, well, they're in the middle. So it's like they kind of have an advantage. So my, you fight fire with fire. You give them a taste of their own medicine. You start putting on the masks and being whispers yourself. You know, that's what I, I would like yeah. to see happen. I, what I wouldn't like to see happen is, you know, Daryl die. I don't want to see Daryl die. That's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of showed... where I was going with it because I, right. I kind of had like a nervous feeling like he was going to get shot by Alpha in the last episode when they were up on that um, that perch, you know, overlooking yeah. the the mega herd of zombies. I, I, right. like, well, I, I thought well, like I thought she was going to kick him down there. I thought she was going to shoot him and kick him like. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Like when I was looking at that herd, like in the middle of that herd was that like crazy branchy tree. So I thought she was going to kick Daryl down there. That's how it was going to end. And the next episode, he's 
somehow he makes his way up to the tree and perches himself on a tree, and then, you know, something crazy happens on how he gets out. But I didn't expect it to end the way it ended. Yeah. Um, and again, it was kind of like a, a so-so episode that really ends with all the suspense. And, um, you know, they do what they do. They keep us wanting more until the next episode. So, you know, that's what keeps people coming back. For the most part, anyways. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. But I think they, I think they, they're gonna have to allude to what's going on with Rick because they've already came out with the movie. There's two movies coming out. One of them is 2019. They gotta start alluding to the fact. I mean, it's almost halfway through the, you know, the first quarter of this year's done. You know what I'm saying? By the time we hit June, it's halfway yeah. through. We're we're gonna have to know something what's going on. So I think they're gonna allude to it, but I think they're. Um, I don't think that I don't think necessarily the next episode they're gonna get to war, but they gotta start putting the pieces together to let us know what's gonna get, happen when it comes back in October. Since our last uh, recorded episode, the Los Angeles Lakers were officially eliminated from playoff contention. Sasha, what does this do to the legacy of LeBron James? To be honest with you, man, the, uh, my other podcast, Talk and Shoot, my my co-host is a big-time LeBron James fan. He's always been a LeBron James fan ever since we were 17 when LeBron James got, got drafted. You know, now mm-hmm. he is so anti-LeBron the past few weeks. I think LeBron has turned a lot of people off. I think ever since, you know, you, you, you got – he came into – they played the Pistons. He sat during the Pistons, right? You got people that yep. are paying, you know, you know, those are premium tickets. You're paying three hundred dollars to watch LeBron James play. It's not like it's not like you're pay, paying fifty bucks to watch the Hawks. You're paying to watch LeBron James play. And when he sits out due to resting, okay, first of all, bro, there's like 12, 15 games left in the season. Second of all, you're not making the playoffs. Third of all, yeah. don't you owe something to these kids who've been waiting to see you play? You know, probably got tickets. A lot, a lot of people I, 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 I've been seeing got tickets in December for their kids for Christmas to see LeBron James playing. He doesn't show up. You know what I'm saying? I'm so sick of these fucking entitled athletes. You owe something to these kids. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. oh, I don't owe nothing. You owe something. These kids are your fans, right? They're the ones that buy your jerseys. They're the ones that watch your games. They're the ones that buy your shoes. That's the reason why you're a multi-millionaire billionaire. And that's how you're going to do them. And if you ask me, LeBron James moved his ass out to L.A. so he can do his stupid million-dollar run, so he can redo the uh, Jason Friday the 13th with his production company, so he can be this big Hollywood mogul. If you want to be that, then, dude, retire. Retire and be this Hollywood mogul. But you know what? He's going to sit there and he's going to collect his uh, money. He's going to cry about everyone else when he doesn't win. But when he wins, yep. he's going to say it's all about him. He, he He's the one that deflects when it doesn't go his way. When it goes away, he wants all the accolades. I think, honestly, you can never, never, never say he is the GOAT. Michael Jordan will always be the GOAT. And if you ask me, Kobe Bryant bumps up in that conversation. Kobe Bryant has a seat at the GOAT table. LeBron James... He needs to take a step back. You know what I'm saying? Because LeBron James will never win it on his own without awesome players. Kobe Bryant did it back-to-back with people like uh, Shannon Brown, Luel hey, Dang, you know, Luel <laughs> Dang, you know, Sasha Vujicic. That's who he won two back-to-back championships with. You can't even, right. you can't even, you can't even win back-to-back championships. You can't even beat the, uh, uh, beat Golden State without having, with having one of the best shooting big men. 
probably the best handling point guard, playmaking point guard, shot creating point guard in the league. You can't go over Golden State. You're not. You're not. You're not MJ to go. You'll never be MJ to go. Flat out. I think this tarnishes tarnishes his legacy, and he should be honestly ashamed of how he conducted himself this season. Because because you asked Absolutely. me, no way of being to go. I think I think I, I think coming into a game with a glass of wine, sitting yeah. at the end of the bench in your street clothes, sipping on wine. How fucking dare you? Who the fuck do you think you are? I'm, and I like look LeBron James. I think he's one of the best dude ever to do it. But his mentality is such a little victim, bitch ass mentality. Like if it doesn't go my way, oh poo poo poo. If it goes my way, me 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 me. I think LeBron James, his legacy is tarnished. I hope the Lakers, and I hope he never ever go wins a championship again. Hope he never goes to the finals again. Hope he never gets the ring again. So he'll never be anywhere close in the discussion of being the goat or being close to Michael Jordan. He can he can clean Michael Jordan's fucking shoes at this point. Damn. Yeah, you know what? I think he made his bed. He's got a lie in it now, or lay in it, whichever it is. He, you know, he did what he does. He he kind of like took over general manager, uh, you know, position. You know what? Shame on Magic for letting him do that. And then he basically told all of the young talent on his team, "You're indispensable. If I had my way." I would be able to trade every last one of you for this one guy in New Orleans. And then it didn't happen, and he wants them all to go to war for him. It doesn't work like that, man. And you saw the the separation between them after the trade deadline came and came and went, and the team was still intact. You know, he's sitting on the bench uh, way, you know, it's like three, four, five seats down from his closest teammate. Um you know, he's he's not getting back on defense. He's not playing hard on defense, which is where championships are won, even today. And, um, you know, you see Kyle Kuzma have to push shove him. him into playing. Do, yeah, yeah, you got to shove LeBron James into playing defense for you. Uh, you know, you see him walk the ball up the court and then, uh, you know, take, take this wacky-ass shot. Like, he, he didn't dribble the ball up the court. He rolled it and walked by the ball. And, you know, nobody came up and tried to grab it. Otherwise, he would have picked it up. And then, you know, picks it up, doesn't even get into proper form and just hacks up a shot. Um, if I were a Lakers fan, I would, I would not be happy. I'd, I would feel like a Vikings fan uh, with Kirk Cousins. But at least, at least Kirk Cousins tried. He just came up short. Like LeBron James, I feel like he's not giving it his all. I feel like he's a sourpuss right now. And like I said, he tried to take over like he did in Cleveland. Except in Cleveland, he could trade away all those players and get back exactly what he wanted. He was right. not able to do that this season, and it really affected his mentality. Yeah, it's just it's a shame because you see such a talent like that, and 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 he let his ego get to him. You know, what I'm saying like I don't I, I don't care what anybody says, dude. Jordan was a killer. Jordan got in his people's faces. LeBron James. Passive aggressive. He wants to be facilitated when he should be a killer. It's just, it's just he lo- he lost me this year, big time. Hey, I think he lost hey, a lot LeBron- of people. LeBron James could have used a coach like Tom Izzo. Probably smack him in the goddamn mouth and tell him you're acting like a little prima donna. But you know what? The young talent on the Lakers, they don't get enough credit for being mature. Like I can't say I would have handled it super well if, you know, my star player teammate just tried to have me traded. And, you know, eight other guys for one player. And, you know, the fact, like, we're seeing this stuff with Lonzo Ball 
and um, you know, kind of distancing himself from the big baller brand and cutting off like a, a longtime family friend because he thought, you know, because the family friend kind of like cheated them out of a couple million. Like, I think that's kind of a mature mis- decision by Lonzo Ball. But yeah, mo- most definitely. And, you know, I think Lonzo Ball is a great player. Don't like his shot, but I think he does everything else really good. And I think that is pretty mature because mm-hmm. I think I think he needs to let go of the BBB and maybe get signed, you know, with Nike, Adidas, you know, right. uh, Under Armour. He can probably make more money with them. They're already established. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. You know, it shows maturity, but I think I think Lonzo can go for a good uh, shoe deal. I think he can get it. Yeah, and it, yeah, it just it really rubs me the wrong way that we saw kind of a. I think all season it was not a hundred percent effort from LeBron James, and right now this headline I'm reading says you know LeBron on triple double. He says I won't cheat the game. It's like well, you kind of did, so it's a little too late for that. Um, yeah, so. I feel, but I honestly feel bad for the young players on the Lakers because I feel like they worked really hard just to get to 34 wins last year. I thought they drafted well, getting Mo Wagner, mm-hmm. and um, you you think LeBron will come in and and guide them and lead them and teach them, but he he blew it all up and they might finish with less wins than they did a year ago. I don't care who's injured, who's playing, who's not. It shouldn't work like that. Right, especially especially if you're gonna if you, if you want to dub yourself the king of basketball, you know the best to ever do it. You know what I'm saying? This is not this is not what the best to ever did it. Acted like at least Jordan, you know, went out there and he played every single game when he was with the Wizards, and he and he tried to fix that organization when he was with the Wizards. LeBron, I believe he's just there for Hollywood, man, and that's just my honest to god opinion. And I and, and it's just funny to me that when uh the season's done with, right? And playoffs are going to begin in, you know, in what, three weeks? His stupid little show's coming out. The million-dollar yep. run. You know what I'm saying? Hmm, oh, coincidence? I fucking think not. By our next episode, I'm really going to try to see uh, Captain Marvel and us. Uh, I know you've seen us. Have you seen Captain Marvel? No, I'm I'm going, I'm going. aiming to see Captain Marvel soon because I know I'm going to – even though I don't want to see it because all the – Friggin' bureaucracy with it, and uh, and, and to me, I think it's propaganda like, you know. And Everybody, we, everybody's trying to be the wokest woke person, man. right? Right, and and you know, you know me, I'm not trying, you know, I don't, not big on propaganda, especially when you're using it as a tool to push something in it that that I hold so dear in the comic book world, where you know, to me, it was an escape, and now it's like you're bringing political bullshit into it. I really don't want to see it, but I have to in order to watch Endgame, and I think that's why, yeah. to me. Captain Marvel has done so well, you know. what I'm saying you don't, you don't, you don't take Captain Marvel, who is the second, who is the seventh incarnation of Captain Marvel, and turning it, turn her into a thing without somehow being a little bit propagandish. Uh, but I, I, I do want to go see it. I do want to tie it into the other movies. But yes, I'll see it for ne- uh, next week for sure by by our next podcast. But us, you go see us. It is refreshingly awesome. Thank God for Jordan Peele in Hollywood because Hollywood is nothing but remakes and plagiarism nowadays. Thank God for a mind like Jordan Peele. It's refreshing. It is very refreshing. Yeah. And um, hopefully Michigan, Michigan State will still be playing by the next time we record. And uh, that brotherhood that they've kind of created with each other uh, will kind of face off one more time. 
and I love it. I want to say something about that brother. You you posted that picture of uh, Xavier Simpson, you know, dapping Nick Ward before they went on the court. To me, that's how I feel about Michigan, Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? It's like people think that that the hate hatred should be a hate. Me, I mean the the rivalry should be hate. Me, the rivalry is a love. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 like it's like that one. It's like that group of friends you have, and it's that one dude that your group of friends you, you guys love. You guys love each other, but you bag on him, right? You guys bag mm-hmm. on him. You rip on him. It's it's all fun and games. And when someone outside of your group, a stranger, does it, you're like, dude, you can't talk to my boy. That, that, I'm the only one that can talk shit to him. You can't talk shit to him. So that's how I feel when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State. Like, we can talk shit about Michigan. No, we can talk shit about Michigan State. But fucking anybody that's outside of Michigan cannot talk shit about Michigan and Michigan State. We can, right. we can, get, we can get in fist fights. Us brothers can get in fist fights. But if you try to fight my brother, dude, I'm going to fight you. That's how our right. rivalry should be. You know what I'm saying? That's how I feel yeah. about it anyway. And I feel like they're both where they are because of each other. I feel like, obviously, Beeline came in and kind of, like, built his program – up to where Izzo's program is at, you know? Right. And last year, last year, Michigan State had an amazingly talented team, but Michigan punched them in the mouth twice, once on their own home court. And I feel like that really drove Michigan State to be a better team this year. So I feel like Michigan State's where they're at because of Michigan, and likewise, Michigan is where they're at because of Michigan State. Well said, Joe. Well said. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm Joe. And I'm Sasha. And thank you for listening to the Beards for Radio brought to you by Farbar. Later, guys.